0: See you in style
1: Welcome to Divine Through Line. I'm Ma Ananda Srimati, sometimes known as Julie Pyatt, and I'm here to share with you musings and perspectives on what it really means to live life divine. Thanks for joining me. On this week's episode, I welcome my own mother, my beautiful mom. She is an extraordinary individual, an amazing woman, and I really feel blessed to have had the opportunity to sit down with her and speak to her about her experience of life. She is now 88 years old, and um, she has been an immense force in my life, in the lives of my children, and uh, she touches everyone that she meets. So uh, let's get into the episode. I hope you enjoy it.
2: Well, it's really awfully nice. For an 88-year-old lady to have a gorgeous daughter that wants to include her in one of her very, very, very favorite things that she does, I'm really honored to do Well, I
1: mean, one of the reasons why I really did want to have mm-hmm. you on is I, I wanted to uh, really experience and touch on, um, you know, this, this uh, spiritual need and this really human right to honor our elders to honor those that have gone before us and who really hold the the wisdom of what it means to live a life so i'm very blessed that you're my mom and that you're 88 years old and that you're still here and that we get to have these kind of conversations so it was something that i really wanted to do and to you know be an example for other people to understand that you know the people that have lived, you know, many, many years before us, they have something to share and they have something of value. And I think that our society as a whole is very externally focused and objectified into, um, you know, physical appearance and youth, you know, it's always the fountain of youth and we're chasing the fountain of youth. And um, I think what we're missing in a lot of areas is really the true wisdom, you know, the true wisdom of A mother of of, you know you're a mother you had five children of your own with my father with with dad with Larry Um, and now you're a grandmother how many grandchildren do you have I have ten grandchildren. Ten grandchildren. And how mm-hmm. many great-grandchildren do you have? I have four great-grandchildren. <laughs> okay. So, um, so anyway, I'm just really happy that you're here. So I want to start, I always start every show with a song. Mm-hmm. And I'm super thrilled because um, I asked Stuart, my brother, your son, who is... Really, one of the most extraordinary musicians I have ever heard in my lifetime. Um, to share a song of his, uh, he actually covered a song called "Moon River," which is uh, was Dad's favorite song. And so, I wanted to start off the show. Tell me a little bit about that song and why Dad loved that song, or <coughs> wh- how did how did it come to be? And then um, share the experience of when Stewart
2: first sang it for you. Well, in those days. Stuart was playing with jewel uh-huh. and they were going to perform in in vancouver so in those days larry and i were younger a lot <laughs> younger and we could do whatever we wanted we would go ahead and get in a plane and fly and just enjoy ourselves so we went to vancouver and he was opening for jewel also
1: So he was playing his own original set, and then after his set, then he joined her band.
2: Well, it was just the two of them. Oh, it was just the two of them. Just the two of them. Okay, beautiful. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jewel is such an inspiring young woman because uh, her songs, they really um, send you a message. Mm -hmm. She's very, very deep in the way she composes. So anyway, we were just sitting in the audience, and all of a sudden, Stuart... said i'm going to sing moon river and my parents are in the audience and mom and dad please stand up so we did and we were so thrilled and all of a sudden that became the song of our family when we Mm -hmm. think about something special we think about moon river yeah at least that's the way your dad and i thought about yeah it's beautiful and uh, anyway i'm
1: super excited to uh to Mm -hmm. showcase that on the show this week Mm because it's a beautiful 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 Mm -hmm. um rendition of that song so thanks Stu. thanks for for letting us use that um i want to go back this is a spiritual podcast it's called divine through line that's why it's called that and uh, i want to talk a little bit take you back to your childhood and talk about Mm -hmm. your father So um, you are from Chile, uh, born in Santiago. In what year were you born? In 1927. 1927. And uh, you have one
2: sister, Sonia. I have only one sister. Mm -hmm. And um, life took us to different continents. Mm -hmm. She remained in Santiago. She has a wonderful family there. And I went I came to the United States, and it were in our lives, then we moved. We ended up in Alaska, where we spent the most years of our married life. Mm-hmm. So you traveled all the way from this almost
1: the South Pole to the top.
2: <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, A long journey. Yes. Yeah, that's
1: amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so Sonia has six children. You had five children, and it's really beautiful. We have these amazing cousins, and we're very mm-hmm. close, and... Um, it was kind of interesting, too, because it seemed like you guys sort of had children that mirrored each other. So you would have sort of, I mean, I know with my first cousin, Claudia, who's actually uh, an amazing, amazing woman who's just multi-talented and expressed in many, many different different ways. Music and and uh, I'll, I can't even mention everything that she's done, but she is a fan of the
2: podcast and actually we follow each other on Instagram. Um, Well, do you know that the thing that I think that Sonia and I have accomplished, which is unbelievable, is that we have now one, two, three, four generations of families which are intertwined, and they know each other, other. they Mm -hmm. care for each other. Uh, Your cousins and your uh, grandkids and all of that, they all care for each other, and they have established the family relationship and that will never die it's true and that's really amazing how many families they don't see each other but for reunions reunions once every 10 years or whatever right but th- this is what we have accomplished, the two of us. It's really great. And as the world's getting smaller and with social mm-hmm. media and
1: also just you know, mm-hmm. being able to travel and Skype. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, those relationships are, are growing. So that's beautiful. It makes life very, very interesting. And, and uh, yeah. family is very, very important. You know, you know
2: when I came um, from Santiago the first time, when I came to, to the United States, I was coming over to uh, marry your dad. Mm -hmm. And I came by Panagra, that was the airline. Panagra. Panagra, that -hmm. that was the airline. And I wore a hat, I wore gloves, and I wore a suit. Wow. And people did dress for occasions like that because not everybody was able to travel. To travel was really for very um, special people that were, were corporate people or they were... Wealthy people that had a lot of money, but usually people did not travel that that much.
1: Right, so it's very
2: special. Yeah, and they did that by sea. They took a lot of ocean liners in those days, that's you right, know,
1: yes. Right. So going back, I want to go back and, and talk about your father a little bit. So many times in my life, um, I've sort of been... Uh, you know the spiritually inclined child uh, in some in some senses and uh, many many times over the years I never met my grandfather his name was Ernesto Rosado and and, um, I never met him but you've told me many 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 times that My father would have loved you. I wish you had met my father. So tell me about what it's like to be the child of somebody who's spiritually inclined. Tell me a little
2: bit about your dad.
1: What were the spiritual practices that he did?
2: Well, do you know that a phrase that comes to my mind always, my father always said, you are the architect of your own life. And it's interesting because I was reading something or listening to somebody the other day, and that phrase was repeated several times. But, you know, my father was a very spiritual man. He was a Mason, a 32nd uh, Mason. He was also a Mm Rosacrucian, and he was a yogi, Mm -hmm. in a way. And every morning, he did his uh, exercises of breathing. Did pranayama? Probably. Fantastic. Every morning, he did that, Mm -hmm. and then he went to work. But the very interesting thing about my father was that we sat and had dinner as a family, always. And the four of us, we were exposed to a tremendous amount of um, music. My father loved music, and he was a spiritual person, and he w- w- was all the time talking to us about interesting things, and books and he would buy us books for us to read Mm -hmm. yeah and he introduced you to opera i think um was it opera or was it well he used to take me to the movies i was four years older than sonia Mm. so if something that he wanted me to see he would take me to the movies. Mm. And it was interesting because it was just the two of us. My mother didn't go. Mm. Yes. Mm. And then he loved opera also. And I remember the first opera, Madame Butterfly, Mm -hmm. I saw with him. Beautiful. So in my house, there was always the radio that was on. It was Mm. music, music, music. And he had a small room that was his... um, sacrosanto place he had all his books and all that he cared for like his meditation room. meditation room
0: mm-hmm.
2: yes and he had told us that when he was totally still in his room meditating he didn't want to be interrupted
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he had explained to us how he can get his body out of his could astral travel yes yes mm-hmm. he had explained that to us mm-hmm so you know in those days i didn't understand a lot it was my father was by the, the family by my mother's family he was considered a little odd <laughs> yeah because uh, on my mother's family they were all just uh, very opposite of yes, what my father of was of course
1: at one time you had uh, you contracted tuberculosis is that true yes I did very early early in life and you know? shared with me that he
2: he sent you some healers in sort of another way yeah in, in another way and then he was what he said to me he said was that There was was not really tuberculosis, it was diagnosed. Incorrectly. Incorrectly,
1: Uh yeah. And And do you remember the healers coming to you in the middle of the night in your dream, or he just told you? No, he told me. He just told you. He told me, yes. And then you were cured. Cured, just in three months I was... You were fine. I was okay. That's amazing. Mm Well, that's so interesting. I always... I always feel this connection to him. And I, you know, I know from my spiritual studies, and what I've learned is that, you know, there is a there is a DNA chain, like there is there is a reason, you know, Mm -hmm. and it continues, Mm -hmm. but it's not it's Mm -hmm. not in everyone, but Mm -hmm. in somebody in the subsequent, Mm -hmm. you know, generation, there is that Mm -hmm. gene, at least one, maybe more than one. But anyway, that's beautiful. So Uh, Fast forward, I also want to talk about fate and the role that fate has played in your life. So you talked about coming to this country, but it's very um, interesting story and significant point in your life was what happened before you met my father, Larry. So tell me a little bit about where you were working
2: and your fiance. Yes. Well, what happened was that um, I, um, my father spoke English incidentally because he had grown up in the northern part of Chile. At the time that Chile, in in the northern part, they had a lot of English companies because of the copper, um, because of the nitrate also. Mm -hmm. And anyway, um, my godmother, for instance, is a lady that I never met, but her name was Sarah Jolie, and she was one of the English people that were... Working there, her husband at the, at the mines. There, mm-hmm. they were in the in the offices. So anyway, um, when I grew up, then I was about eighteen years old. I uh, took a secretary course, and I learned to uh, take shorthand. In both languages uh, English and Spanish and I had always really great jobs as a secretary and one day somebody told me or I heard that um, there was an opening at the Inter-American Geodetic Survey that was a mission established in South America to pinpoint areas in which they would eventually be used for the satellites that they put into space that very quickly became obsolete year, years later mm-hmm. because they were doing groundwork and mm-hmm. that happened in the space, you see, totally different thing. But anyway, so I went over to be interviewed during my lunch hour. At the time, I was about 24 years old. And all of a sudden, I get over there and mm-hmm. the... Person who interviewed me and who needed a secretary, a bilingual secretary, was a um, James G. Carroll, who was a West Pointer mm-hmm. and a military man, lovely, lovely man. And I was hired on the spot. He, he talked to me for a while and he said, "He said, okay." He said, "I need you Monday," and let's say it was Thursday, mm-hmm. and I said, "I cannot." i have to give two weeks uh, notice and he said no he said i need you by monday can you believe that i went to my office where i was working (laughs) i told my boss i'm sorry but i'm leaving because Mm -hmm. i've gotten a much much better job so i left
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and the reason for that was that i was paid in dollars from the canal zone
0: Mm
2: And dollars, to have dollars in your hands, you would kind of double your salary. Mm. And uh, so that's why I, I was thrilled thrilled with the job, and I liked the job a lot. So there is where I, oh. So anyway, I met your dad there, but I'm going to backtrack because I had met another engineer over there,
0: Mm-hmm.
2: His name was Donald Newberry from Roswell, Newberry. And he was a head engineer over there. And um, we had fallen in love and we were to be married. And everything was set up, everything. And all of a sudden, he was in the southern part of Chile doing some reconnaissance. And they were in this freighter. And they were going from shore to the freighter where they were working from Mm -hmm. and they were in this boat and the boat capsized and they drowned
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and uh, his body of course was never found because of the situation that was in the southern part of chile Mm
0: -hmm.
2: so in santiago in the meantime at the main office they needed somebody to take care of the situation immediately and your dad was a single happy-go-lucky bachelor Mm -hmm. working in Ecuador at the time. And he had been offered a position to go to Brazil and go through the Amazon there and go into the jungle. And your father absolutely loved that and so on.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And he was withdrawn from that operation, sent to Chile in 24 hours.
1: Wow, that quickly? That quickly. So, and so wait, so getting back to you, so you have a wedding planned. And is this wedding happening in Chile
2: or it's happening back in New Mexico? No, 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 in Santiago, in Santiago. So everything 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 is ready. And relatives are very upset about the situation because they were all Catholics. I was Catholic. And um, they, you know, they were just saying, my gosh, you know, she's married a gringo. Yeah, oh no. you you were gonna
1: marry Don originally Don, so they, you John? were actually marrying you ended up marrying two two gringos. You you yeah, liked yeah, them, yeah, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway I met your dad after immediately I saw him and can you believe that I told to myself, I I'm gonna marry this guy. He was absolutely, it's kind of odd, unbelievable because I just saw him coming in to the office and of course, your dad was a very handsome guy, and um, he had blue, blue eyes, and he had eh, one of those um, fishermen's sweater in cotton, you know, very tight and so on, and he was stocky, and, you know, he was well-built, and I looked at him, and he was sun too, mm-hmm. and I looked at him and said, I'm going to marry that guy. Goodness. And I did. <laughs> wow and so so how many t- how many months before you guys uh, my fiancé died in um, march and we were married in november mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow i always when you when i knew learned
1: of this story when i was a child i always felt so so sad for you that you had to lose something that, that you loved and then very quickly the next bit of information comes in which is if that didn't happen then I wouldn't exist <laughs> yes yes, <laughs> so, yes, yes, so sort of in a very young age we we really understood this sort of element of fate or destiny and it yes. played a very interesting kind of role and later on some years recently not too far back you and dad went to New Mexico was there was there a monument erected yes, for a well, right? what
2: happened Is that Larry lived in Amarillo, and uh, when I yes, when I came to the United States, Larry had talked to my father, and he had talked to my mother, of course, and he said, "I don't want to get married here because I want Vilna to get to the United States and see if she likes it there. If she doesn't like it, she can come back." Mm. Oh, Uh, so he was very generous in that way, and very wise. Right. And I arrived in Amarillo, Texas, by Panagra. Right. (laughs) I'm sure you guys are all familiar with that airline. With my little hat, (laughs) my gloves. And as I get out of the car, Larry went to meet me at the airport. And as I got out of the car, this sweet-looking woman with red, red, red hair, came running from them
1: uh, as Mom Pearl. That was his mom. That was my
2: grandmother, Mom Pearl.
1: And she had fire red hair. Yeah,
2: she was so sweet. She came running and she hugged me. And, you know, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely perfect. Aww. And they immediately loved me. I immediately loved them. And it was so easy. It was not hard at all. Oh... And um, and so, we, with everybody's blessings, mm-hmm. then we eloped. <laughs>
1: <laughs> A sensible thing to do. Yes. And you guys were married in Taos, New Mexico. In Santa Fe, oh, New no Mexico. Oh, sorry. That's why
2: it's good we're having this interview. In Santa Fe, New Mexico. In Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we w- was snowing, and that's the other story, that um, I was not going. Larry didn't want to get married in the Catholic Church, right? And I went along with him. Mm-hmm. And so, but was, Dad was like Methodist, or was yes, he? They were Methodist. They were Methodist, and okay. he wanted to get married in the Methodist Church. And I, and my thought was, you know, if I'm coming into this country, and I'm coming into this lovely family, I'm just going to adapt. You know what I mean? It was sure. inside of me. I'm not going to rock the boat in any way. I'm just going to be part of them. That's what I wanted. Right. So, we arrived in Santa Fe, and we had reservations at the Hotel La Fonda, mm-hmm. which is one of the famous and most beautiful hotels in Santa Fe. I think it still exists. Oh, is yes, it? yes, yes, yes. So, anyway, we went looking for the Methodist Church, and he was out of town. So then we... The minister, or the, the reverend. The reverend, you know, town. So then we went to the Episcopalian church, thinking okay. it was a little closer to the Catholic faith. <laughs> and what happened is there, you have to have five weeks in which every week they announced that so-and-so are going to be married. Uh-huh. Well, we couldn't wait five weeks. Sure. And then we ended up in the Presbyterian Church, Mm -hmm. which is a lovely church near the plaza and that we have visited many times after we got married. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so we went inside. The minister was in, and he asked to talk to me alone. Mm -hmm. And he told me, he said, knowing that you're a Catholic, I would like to let you know that this vows of marriage... Are going to be as bounding as if you were married in the catholic church oh that's sweet very sweet mm-hmm. so we went to the altar and there was a, tr- a group of brownies the, the like girl scouts, girl scouts. Girl Scout <laughs> girl uh-huh. that they were having a session there and they had two leaders there so the leaders were our witnesses and we were married in front of the Girl Scouts. That's <laughs> so <group>. genius. That's <laughs> yes. awesome. And then it's after the first th- time I'm hearing this story. Yes. <laughs> and then after that, we went to the Hotel La Fonda. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did is to call my mother and say, Mom, mm-hmm. I got married today. Oh, yeah. Mom,
1: that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a, an amazing, courageous, adventurous person that, actually leaves their country and moves into another sort of existence and life and culture, really. And you spoke English quite well, but you were quite unusual in, I think, in Amarillo when you arrived. Well, do you know that
2: um, I spoke English, but then when you get into a conversation in a country, there are so many idioms and so on that, you know, like, Pull my leg, you know, <laughs> right? Or something right. like we ourselves have in Spanish. So it took a little bit for me to kind of really get into the swing of the conversation, you know, right. without any right. any problems.
1: Yeah, and you've told me in the past that one of the reasons that you had so many children with Dad, first of all, you love children, and um, but you spoke with your sister with Sonia, and I think you 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 shared with me that you you didn't have a family nearby, so you needed to create your own family so yes
2: yes yes. so i think you did that very
1: well yes
2: (laughs) (laughs) well do you know is that um we were all the time so we were so happy every time when we knew that we were going to have another there are so many stories now that you my children they tell me that and did I do that? Did I say that? Sure. That I don't really remember that well.
1: That happens to me today. Yeah. <laughs> so don't yeah. feel bad. They remember everything. Kids have like photographic yes. memories. Yeah. So I just asked them now. They're they're yeah. sort of the the authority on on yeah. all things. Yeah, okay. So so fast forward. So you, um, you guys have five kids. Um, we grew up in an idyllic place in Colorado. We had horses. We had dogs. We lived in the mountains, and I really credit a lot of my creative um, openness to have have the fact that I was in nature so much and it started even before we moved to Alaska, even in Colorado, most of my playtime was out in the forest and I really didn't have very many plastic toys. I had an abundance of stuffed animals. I really did love dogs very, very much. And I think you guys, um, you know had a soft spot for me for all of the little sweet stuffed animals that i have but i don't really remember almost any other toy so i was always in that creative moment of, of pretending i was actually really in the woods yeah and that was an amazing gift i think that you gave all of us in yeah. in having that that experience
2: well don't you remember generally that on sundays after church then we would always eat together. Always, we had a nice lunch, and that was a time in which I put my best china on the table and I put my best silverware and all of that, because I wanted all of you to, to to, to know, you know, what I want, I have to do things and whatever. But anyway, then after. Everybody, come on, let's hurry up with the dishes. Come on, let's hurry up with the dishes. And your dad said, Okay, Vilna, hurry up, hurry up. And we would take this endless, endless long rides. Mm -hmm. Remember your dad? Yes. He he would take us, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Drive forever. Forever. Into nowhere. Yeah. Sometimes it was
1: not that fun. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course, yeah. You just love, love the outdoors. His take us somewhere really far. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Yeah, I'm, you're reminding me of that. I'm reflecting on that. I don't think I had really um, connected that, that that was a Sunday ritual, but mm. I'm remembering the images as you're sharing with me. I did remember one specific cooking experience with you that really sunk in. You know how something when you're a child, like just one thing, you happen to remember that one thing? Well, my one thing was one day you made donuts with all of us. Yeah. And we had, and it wasn't like, I don't I think you no. made donuts a lot. No. Like, but this one specific day you made donuts yeah. and there was this huge assembly line. You know, yeah. all five of us, everybody had yeah. a different, you know. I think yeah. Stuart and I were rolling it in yeah. the sugar at the end. And for some reason that experience just permeated my cells. Maybe yeah. it's affected my
2: my love for preparing food and cooking. Yeah. I don't I don't really know. Yeah. So. Well, you know, we have a lot we had a lovely, lovely home over there. You know, your Beautiful. father had designed a home. Yes.
1: He was just Lovely. Mm, It was amazing. Yeah. It was great. So when you moved all the way back up to Alaska, so Dad, let me just give people a little bit of background here. So my my father decides at age 45. Yes, 47. Okay, he was working for Martin Marietta Corporation in Denver. He was one of their head engineers. Um, He worked with NASA on some Mm -hmm. projects, correct? And my dad was a very, very, very well-respected man, actually worked was making more money at the end of his life working on projects and engineering uh, huge uh, museums and a 72 million dollar museum actually in Anchorage so he had this very sort of opposite experience of being very honored in his older years and you know he kept telling me you know well you know he was telling all of us well I can't see or hear anymore I don't know why they keep hiring me but they just kept coming to pick him up and take him to work Um, but anyway my dad uh, told you at that stage of his life he was an avid hunter and fisherman and bush pilot he was a navy pilot um and he told you you know honey i want to move to alaska so tell me how you uh allowed him and supported him in that And how was that time for you
2: well <laughs> honestly honestly <laughs> you know what do you do when your husband quits his job <clears throat> And he said to me, he said, you know, I don't know if I have any future here anymore. I reached top management, and that's not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I still want to design. I don't want to be in top management. that you're just signing papers and reviewing things and whatever. Right. So he quit, and we left down but he left <laughs> he left he, he left, left us, us he left us right? yeah. Remember? Yeah, so- but yeah he left because he was going to go to anchorage to establish his business and then we were supposed to follow right and how long it was two years no, no, no one year? no maybe like a, a year and oh, half a half okay. but it, and then he came i believe he came two or three times to see us in the in the interim so he wasn't uh, just gone for a whole year and a half? No, no, no. <laughs> we, 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 we got to see him or whatever. And then I went to visit him, too. Oh, you did, too? Yes, okay. I did. I do not remember. But that. anyway, the interesting thing about that is that at the time that we were changing totally our lives, my sister in Chile was going through a tremendous amount of changing their lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, my brother-in-law... His dad had one of the biggest estancias in the wine country. Which is like a ranch. Yes, mm-hmm. but this the estancias, they're it's huge mm-hmm. in acre, in the Acreage. amount of kilometers they right. have or Ooh. whatever. So, so anyway, it was, there was a political time for Chile, and Chile um, elected a communist president. And of course, we're not going to get into that, but it was chaos for a lot of people. Yes. And um, my sister and my brother-in-law, they decided that they were not going to send their children to a public school Mm -hmm. because they would have the agenda, you know, the instruction. It was a communist agenda. Mm -hmm. communist Mm -hmm. agenda, exactly, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of details about that. And they decided they were going to move to the United States. Yes. So they sold whatever they had. Oh, their ranch had been confiscated. Right. right? The government had taken over the ranch. Mm -hmm. So they decided then to come to the United States. And um, they did with five children. One day. The oldest stayed because he was in the military. He was a cadet Mm. at the air. Air Force,
1: yeah, And so I remember I was, I think, turning seven or six or seven. And one day, um, six, no, five Spanish-speaking cousins showed up. And we were, <laughs> they were Spanish-speaking and we were English-speaking. And mm-hmm. we were together in the house. And
2: yep, we had and a our, big house. We yes. have, so there was no problem as to space. Yes, yes. But anyway, um, there were some adjustments for everybody and uh, the story ended up happily because uh, eventually sonia and fernando were able able to return to their country and they were given a piece pinochet gave them a piece of their land Mm -hmm. to the rightful owner Mm -hmm. and and anyway, everything turned out okay. So for they them. lived in
1: New Mexico for some time, for some years, and That's I tried. Br- right. I remember some of the older boys were working at fast food restaurants; like they were all
2: pitching in. So oh, it was yeah. a whole thing. Well, you know that they were young, you know. So the, everybody, you know, when you're young, you work at McDonald's, you work anywhere you can get, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So and then my sister then went to school there, and she went to a Jesuit university in. Um, santa fe and she graduated as a teacher with a teaching degree and she made the who is who yes i remember that yeah Mm -hmm. so it was great for my sister and and then my sister went back to chile and she had a wonderful career in banking Mm -hmm. very successful and uh so you know so moving back to um dad how lo- how many years were you are you guys married I mean, I we were still ma- married we were married 63 years 63 years your dad died 12 12 15 yeah in December 12. which um, I was informed by uh, the young lady that comes and helps me every morning here in my house that it was the day of the nuestra señora de guadalupe Oh, Our asleep. Lady of Guadalupe,
1: mm.
2: which I have, I have been a devout all, all my life mm-hmm. from Our Lady of Guadalupe.
1: That's right. Mom has, uh, actually we would make jokes that you could kneel in any spot in her home because she mm-hmm. had icons and rosaries everywhere. So even yeah. though you you were not maybe married in the Catholic Church, like you could take the girl out of the Catholic Church, but you could never take the catholic church out of the girl
2: <laughs> yes yes i have always during my travels all over mm-hmm. the world i have i very lucky that your dad and i travel a lot i would go to some place and i would see one of these santos wooden santos and i had to buy it and you know couldn't pass so anyway i have a little
0: mm-hmm.
2: a little of that in me that's beautiful icons
1: yeah, lots. You have a lot of that in you, actually. Quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, But anyway, um, so I just want to um, uh, fast forward to you and dad were married. I think it was your 60th wedding anniversary. And you traveled to Nashville to visit Stuart and Holly and Levi. And you renewed your vows. So tell me about that experience after being married for that many years. And was it your 60th? It was, it was my, my 60th. Year.
2: Yeah. Well, we were invited we, uh, to dinner, and um, I, everybody knew, of course, it was our anniversary. We so saw Holly Stewart's wife with a dear, a dear girl, uh, and then I, we had, um, let's see, we had Lexi, another granddaughter, with her four little, in those days three little girls. Three great-grandchildren. Three three great-grandchildren, yes. And then two of of my son, Thane. Rebecca. Rebecca and and Sarah Sarah. were there because they Mm -hmm. were able to come to Nashville because they live in Memphis, and it's about a three-hour drive. So we were all together, and we get to to, to this particular building that looked like a, a little commercial. It looked to me in the outside. It didn't look like the entrance to a restaurant. And Stuart said, Mom and Dad, you just see the light at the end of the hall there. You go all the way over there and somebody will be waiting for you. So we got out of the car and And everybody... Did you know you were renewing your vows or this was a surprise? No, I didn't know It was a a surprise. I didn't know a thing. (laughs) I I didn't know a thing. Right. So we arrived there to the end of the hall, to this long hall. And a beautiful lady dressed very nicely greeted us. And they said, please come this way and as we enter we enter into a small room and they had a beautiful couch with a silk um shawl wrapped around it and there was a um a statue of elvis presley perfect of course <laughs> you gotta have elvis at your vow val- renewal that's right <laughs> and anyway and we enter and there was a little tiny tiny chapel with about three pews on each side. So Larry and I, we kind of looked at each other. We were wondering, so they sit down, so we sat down. And all of a sudden appeared this lovely man who was a minister who proceeded to welcome us and to tell us that we were there to renew our vows. It's a good thing you guys wanted
1: to. <laughs>
2: uh-huh, yeah. Well, you know, we hadn't even thought about it. You, know, so was it, you know, we were going to dinner, uh-huh. so it was very special. It was mm-hmm. very sweet, mm-hmm. and the grandchildren participated. Lexi, I mean uh, Levi, sang. And she sang this is, um, Chattanooga Shushu. Uh, Chattanooga Shushu. Chattanooga Shushu because she had, she had just learned it in school. Uh-huh. So <laughs> so that's what she sang. That's so great. And then Stuart sang Moon River, Moon River. Mm-hmm. and everybody joined him and then uh, let's see what else we did that was a little unusual uh, and i had a big book of oh, all the little girls then it was funny because then all of all of a sudden the little girls it was cold day they took their their jackets off and they all had these darling little dresses they were just really little dresses yeah right. dress for the occasion right. you know really darling and so anyway we um you re-upped. Yes. And then the, the, the minister said, it is a privilege for me, he said, because I have never uh, had done the renew the vows 60 years. He said, I've done up to 50, uh-huh. but not 60. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what is the secret of a 60-year marriage? Oh, Julie, <laughs> there's no philosophy in yeah. it. Yeah. It's just, you know. Life. It's just life. What do you think worked with
1: you and Dad? We were so different. (laughs) Yeah, I'm relating to that in my own experience. Uh, So you were so different. So different. So in what ways?
2: Well, in the ways that um, he liked to do things that I didn't like to do. (laughs) (laughs) He always went fishing, and he always went hunting during Mm -hmm. the weekends, and and, uh, sometimes we were all left alone during the weekends, and but uh, it was a way of living nobody resented him you know right. yeah
1: well and you were always very independent you had he had his outdoor life and you had uh, for quite quite some time you traveled to hawaii
2: very frequently you would go there and swim and yes because mm-hmm. i had a business i had started my my boutique right. in a, a women's fashion. clothing store I mean, yes mm-hmm. one of the very nice boutiques in town i had a wonderful clientele and then for buying trips, it was very easy to go to Hawaii because Western Airlines had what they called the triangle. Right, I remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if the triangle was Anchorage, Los Angeles, Hawaii, and, and then, then back, and back to right.
1: Anchorage. And that was really coveted because when you're in Alaska yeah. and there's no sun for so many months yeah. that you're, you're yeah. just dying to get yeah. out. So that worked out well. And I mean, I think a lot of people that didn't understand you would uh, would would want to assume that there was something going on in your marriage because you weren't vacationing together all the time. But in fact, that was what worked for you guys. You guys had very yeah. independent.
2: Yeah, I remember calling Larry from Hawaii, crying one day, and, and I said to him, Because in Honolulu at the time, there were some beautiful buys in condominiums. Uh And I said, Why don't you go ahead and buy me a condominium? I'm right here, you know, whatever. Uh And then he said, Listen, you can go to Hawaii as many times as you want to, and it's going to be a lot cheaper than having a condominium (laughs) over there with expenses and so on. um, the last thing he wanted to do was go sit on a beach. Oh, yeah. Never.
1: I don't think I ever yeah. saw him do that.
2: Well, if we, we went together to Hawaii also yes. with you. I remember. Remember, we Stur- took yes. you on a steward. Yeah, it was a really fun And trip. we went together with the three girls also. We went yes. several times as a yes. couple also. Yeah, we went to Kauai
1: too, and I taught family yoga on the North Shore while That's it rained. That's right,
2: and yeah. we were in Abili Shores. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, remember I remember Nabila Shores that was in Maui. Yes. We spent time in Maui several times. That's so, true, we did. So we, we did go together. But you
1: guys were very different. You you really were very different. But it made for, I guess, a lot of interest. And uh, you found a way to make
2: that But you work. know, the beautiful part about Larry and about me, I think, is that when we went out together, we went out on a date, mm-hmm. in a way. Right, and we always had a real interesting conversation between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Always, there was some subject or something, because um, we had different stories to tell each other. Sure, that's beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you had five children who you all
1: love yes. very much. Yes, and so with a big family, there's always something to talk
2: about. <laughs> yes, of course, of <laughs> right. course. Yeah, right. that's great. We. We had a wonderful life and I look around sometimes and I see some people that were not lucky enough to have a lot of kids and their lives are so limited and so boring at this time because I still here, in my little place here, I still have exciting things that happen to me Mm -hmm. or every other day or something is happening with one, one of my children. And I am honored that they want me with them. That's, mm-hmm. you know. So that's uh, right, I mean, you live here, you have an amazing
1: uh, amazing uh, guest house that's um, at my sister's property, at Vicky's property in Joe. Yeah. And so Maggie, my niece is right here, yeah. basically in the same area. And really what what you know what she's done for you and what you guys co-created together is you just reproduced your home in Alaska, but in a in a smaller space. So we're so happy that you and Dad were here and that now you're here. and mm-hmm. um, it's a it's really a privilege and really uh, works beautifully. And you know?
2: I saw a quote uh, in, on Facebook. Somebody said, put put on something like, I wonder if heaven has visiting hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. Because I miss your dad so much. Oh, Mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. We
1: miss him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have a life with somebody for so many years, and mm-hmm. it must be almost impossible to even believe or or comprehend or accept that they're not here yeah. anymore you know well
2: you you don't you will never 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 forget them you know what i mean sure. these people that you have loved so much and they're no longer with us you know mm-hmm. you just don't forget them and it's amazing because still you know once in a while i turn around because i want to say something mm-hmm. it's totally you know, natural natural sure yeah. mm-hmm. but uh, mm. but i want to understand more that uh that we will be together yes you know yes this is this is the beautiful this is the the job right now that uh surviving spouses have is to try to understand that you will be together Mm -hmm. and there will be a a rejoice, you know, a union. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's an opportunity
1: for you to, and for all of us, when we Mm -hmm. have people that leave us at any age to use that experience to deepen our own spiritual connection and really do connect with, you know, what is there really? And Mm -hmm. Dad and I had a funny, sweet exchange, you know, before he passed away. And, you know, I firmly know that there is no death and that this is simply an earth school. And, you know, I said, said, you're going to see that I was right and you and I are going to have a laugh. And, of course, he said in his very perfectly, you know, Uh, engineer way, I hope you're right. (laughs) And I said, I am right. So it is, I mean, I feel that I know the experience that I had with you when dad passed, we were very, very, very blessed. Um, He Mm -hmm. was able to pass away here with us. We were with him for days singing to him all together, holding hands, crying, laughing, Loving, and at the end of you know, at the moment, you know, you were not holding him, you were not fighting the process, you wanted him to go, he wanted to go, it was his time, Yes, yes. And you were so, so open and so willing to allow the process and allow me to do what I know how to do and to be a healer and step into that role. And, um, you know, it was maybe an hour before he passed or 45 minutes, and I felt that it was time to release him. And I said, Mom, are you ready? And you said, Yes, I am. And we had this moment of meditation, of visualization, very similar to a lot of the healing techniques that I offer on the show, where we opened an energetic field. And Mom, you could feel it from me when I was in the room. There were quite a few times when I was moving energy through, and you could feel it. And the hospice nurses could, in fact, feel it as well. Oh,
2: yes. so
1: his breathing would change and Mm -hmm. they would look up at me like you know what are you doing so again we are energetic beings we are spiritual beings having a human experience not the other way around we don't have to strive to reach this spiritual place we are
2: naturally spiritual well you know the thing that is so interesting is that your dad if you would have told him when he was totally whole (laughs) I said, Dad, this is the way you're going to go. He would have said, You're crazy. Exactly. And he went like a prince. He went like a saint, actually, like in Samadhi. Saint.
1: Actually. No, yeah. and this is truly one of the most, maybe the most profound experience of my life <clears throat> was this experience. And and again, it just shows you you never know who someone is. You you just don't know. You can't judge from um, personality traits, or a choice of a life, or um, you know, certain beliefs or choices. You know, um, here is somebody. Dad and I were very, very different in our relation to life, in the way that we responded to life, and we connected over some things that we both enjoyed, like construction and building, and also music. You know, Dad loved my music and was very supportive and sweet to me about it. <clears throat> but. It was absolutely an impossibility in my human mind that he would ever allow or agree to, which he did on a soul level, or it wouldn't have happened that way, For me to facilitate his passing and all of us to be there like that. I mean, I think in Aftermath, he's absolutely delighted in his human form. He would have never imagined it. And I would have never imagined it that it would happen specifically with him. Yeah. So, I mean, here we had this sacred moment. We were there with his, you know, his last breath, which was magnificent. And, and, you know, afterwards we were able to honor him and really, um, we, we honored the body by washing the body. You, you first with rose water that I had prepared on an altar for him. We had beautiful photos of you and your life with him and candles and each one of us lit a candle and we had our moment with our beloved father, with our beloved husband, uh, grandfather who was so significant in our lives. And, um, it's just the it's the intention. It's the devotion of of washing the body. It's a symbolic gesture. It was a ceremony, a ritual. And then after that, my sister Vicky and I were able to uh, wrap him very beautifully in a in a beautiful cloth. And then we all offered rose petals around him uh, as this. Honoring of this being that had that had held so much for us and was so special and through that experience we all were transformed completely transformed and You know, I felt that it bonded us together in a way that we could never have imagined You know even even closer and uh, it, it really was um, a complete miracle of life and I um, also, a, a, a humorous miracle of life, you know, because uh, both dad or me and you and everyone else, we would have never imagined that this would have happened. But what an immense blessing that, that this did happen and we were able to do it in this way.
2: Oh, it was, it was right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was right. It was so right. Mm -hmm. so I you know we all did an amazing job everybody Mm -hmm. was there we were loving we were all giving uh, and we were being authentic and Mm -hmm. there was not one moment of tension in the entire process everybody working together
2: and then you know we have to really remember that we had Sonia's daughter Claudia yes, Claudine, and her Eugenio husband, came. Eugenio, mm-hmm. that came all the way from Santiago, Chile,
0: mm-hmm.
2: especially to spend a week with us.
0: Yeah.
2: And they were here yes. for most of the time. They had to leave a couple of days before Daddy, yes. before Larry died. But we had a lot of support also from our family E-mats. in Chile. Mm-hmm. There were some masses that were uh, done for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And... Um, it's beautiful. You know, a lot of the people loved him. Ninety-two years old mm-hmm. and
1: really healthy right up to the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, just weeks, and he was done. He he had already started saying goodbye, mm-hmm. and he was he was clear. Yes, he, he was would complete. tell me.
2: He would mm-hmm. tell me once in a while, and he would say, I, "I'm not going to last too much," and I would try to soften the thought, mm-hmm. but uh, he knew. He did anyway it's mm-hmm. beautiful and
1: mom so there are things when i think about you when i think about my beautiful mother and what are the things that that i love about you and there are three things came to mind i'm sure there are many more things but three three things came to mind and i think the first thing that i absolutely adore and love about you is your humor <laughs> <laughs> the fact that there's something about <clears throat> you know you always have a good joke or a funny perspective and um it's been, you know, it's fun. it's fun. That's why everybody wants to be around you because you're fun and you have a funny perspective and you always have uh, something, you know, just sort of quirky or humorous uh, uh, sort of um, perspective to offer to every situation. And I remember one time that I wanted to share with everybody that just sort of plays to this quality within you. And it was a time when I was very, very young. I think I was probably Jaya's age, maybe six And oh no, I was in Alaska, so I had to be nine already. But anyway, one day uh, the kids were like, "Mom, you know, drive us around because we wanna, you know, we wanna throw water balloons at people." And for some reason, for some reason, you said, "Okay." We were in the AMC Hornet. I remember being in the J.C. Penny parking lot, and we they were there filling them up, and they were lobbing these these water balloons, you know, out onto the street. And it was just such a such a funny, funny memory, and, and actually amazing. So that was a really funny time. You're probably rethinking that today thinking I might not do that today. But <laughs> but at the time, it was really great. And then the other thing uh, about you that I really love is your generosity. And ever since I was a young girl, I've always felt your generous nature. And it was interesting because um, you had a childhood where your father actually um left your family when you were, you know, fairly young, still in your teens, and he went to the south to uh, you know, do some healing work or something that he was called to do. But anyway, he separated from your mother. and you were then you were the one that supported your mom and your sister at that very, very young age. Um and so I guess I maybe, what about that experience? Because you, you were never holding on to things with us. You were always thinking of how you could give to us. And I, if I could count the amount of times that I walked by you and you put a $20 bill in my hand. When I was young, you were always sharing and always thinking ahead. Like, I want you to have some money. I want you to have some money in your pocket. And so you worked very hard throughout your whole life, not only from when you were a teen, but all the way through. You had a store that was open for 30 years. I believe, and a lot of that you did for the extra things for the kids, for the extra, the extras that you could offer. And so, what about that experience? Do you think formed your generosity? Well,
2: do you know, Julie? That is very, very interesting. Um, people have to do what they have to do, and when your father used to tell me all the time, and he used to say, "You know, you have never said anything bad about your dad." You know my dad and my mother they separated for whatever reasons they had and then my mother came from a very powerful family and um it was everybody was against my dad and um i i don't know i never resented my dad i never and then i knew i had to go to work but that didn't see i liked the work so that didn't affect me I never, oh my gosh, I have to go to, work. never. And then I had a real nice um, support from my mother's family because uh, over there in Santiago, you, know, you take a two-hour lunch or an hour and a half lunch. In those days, mm-hmm. people didn't buy a sandwich in the, in the corner or whatever. And I used to go to lunch to, I had a, one day of the week set up for one uncle. The next day was another uncle, and I, and I got to see everybody. And I enjoyed the family, and they were nice to me. And I guess I was a, you know. So I never, I all the time did what I need to do, and I don't have any it's inside of my heart. I don't have any, any scars about it mm-hmm, or anything. Mm-hmm. I am, so were
1: you all just always very generous person, just naturally?
2: I don't know. I haven't. They can I haven't kept a a diary. A diary?
1: <laughs> I think you are I just think you are. I think I think if you took a kind of a survey of the whole family and even people that don't know you, I yeah, think yeah. they would remember that about you. Yeah. So, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. quality and I I love it and mm-hmm. I I feel like I have that as well and it's a good feeling. Being a generosity is a good feeling inside of yourself.
2: Do you know that your dad and I used to talk because we never join a church and when you join a church you have to support the church or so you have to contribute money to the church and i we never did it but we always had our little corners where we did our own do you remember your young friend who was totally maim yes mm-hmm. um digging a ditch yes mm-hmm. remember yeah pete yeah. pete I had a
1: friend in college who actually had yeah. a horrible accident. He yeah. was electrocuted and lost uh, all, most of his physical attributes on his body. Yeah. And you and dad... We we helped him a little bit. We mm-hmm.
2: sent him a little check.
1: Yeah. And, you know,
2: we were not really no, well, didn't well, wealthy, wealthy people, you no. know, So, but we always did a little bit like that. Yeah. I remember he wrote me a sweet letter saying... I am taking this only because it's from you, you know, this kind of a deal, Sweet guy. but we always did little things like
1: that. You did a lot of things. I mean, you did things too that were out of your comfort zone. You know, I remember that, um, um, Stuart being a musician and young and we moved to Alaska, which, you know, was a very sort of mixed race, diverse community and he was um, in a band with all African-American guys and, you know, jamming here and, you know, this gig and that gig and this gig. And one of the boys um, actually uh, got in trouble with the law and, uh, you know, some, some stuff was stolen, some expensive uh, airplane floats
2: and you guys
1: actually went to court as a character I went to the
2: jail to visit him yes a mm-hmm. downtown there was a jail mm-hmm. and I remember that I was taking him some candy or something you know he was <laughs> he's surprised to such, see you such a you know so he was a cute kid that got in trouble you know yes, he was like guy. 19 or something like that yeah. whatever but anyway I saw him in jail, and I was just there behind, exactly like you see in the movies, you know, I was right. behind the little, you yeah. know, window there. And I, I gave him some chocolate, and the uh, policeman came and said, no, you cannot give him that you, you can leave $5 and they he will... He can buy his own chocolate something. But anyway, it was really funny. And your dad writing a letter to the judge and saying, you know, this kid is really a good kid, blah, blah, blah. Trying that's to, that's sweet. And then this kid, every time that he would be in Anchorage, uh, passing through or coming, whatever, he would run over to my store and say, Miss Matthews, hi, how are you? And gave me a big hug. I said, I have to go because they're taking me somewhere. It was funny.
1: You know, Mm. funny. Well, anyway, he's good now. Everything's cool. So he ended up working that out. And um, so anyway, mom, I'm just, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, as a a woman of your age with your wisdom, um, if you could share any life perspective with, your grandchildren, what would it be? Or would it, or are there a few things? Like if you, I just thought I would should frame it, if you're speaking to the grandkids, like what would you share with them as being one that has gone before them? What's important in life?
2: Well, do you know that right now, I think these children are living in a very exciting world. And I think that um, they have to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they are in a fantastic, fantastic situation. And they are so lucky that they were born in the United States of America.
1: But some of our listeners aren't, they're born all over the world. So this podcast is listened to in many countries. Yes,
2: yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But do you know that really and truly just think about all these poor people, the refugees that they are coming all mm-hmm. over the world, losing their lives to try to reach yes. safe heaven right. mm-hmm. so it's uh, in, in our family we're lucky that we don't have that particular Absolutely. situation mm-hmm. at one time we have a little exodus when all the Ch- the Chileans were coming from Chile to the United States right. it was in a minor way Right, but I feel sorry every time of I, course mm-hmm. you know yeah. so you know I am not uh, I don't have any any more wise words just to love each other and uh, really mm-hmm. take advantage that what this country has to offer, that everybody wants that mm-hmm. and make this country, you know, a nice place for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay,
1: All right, Mom, well, thanks for coming on the show. It's lovely to have these moments of sharing life experience and I hope you'll come back again you're going to be beginning a new sort of a course of Tai Chi coming up. Yeah. So you'll have to come back and talk to us about the spiritual uh, transformation that happens through that practice.
2: But <laughs> I have done Tai Chi, you know, for years. I know.
1: I know. Yeah. So it's a new, it's just a new installment mm. yeah. of it. That's yeah. right. So what do you find about, before we go, what do you find about Tai Chi? How is Tai Chi for you?
2: Well, I don't, you know, I did it at, uh, like about uh, for maybe, I've been doing it for maybe six or seven years in Alaska. And I had a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And he taught us to use the energy that the universe has for us. Mm-hmm. And through the energy to apply that to our bodies and make us conscious of all that beautiful emotions and activity that you can really draw from Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. And did you really feel a shift in your energy? Oh, of course, of Mm -hmm. course, of Mm -hmm. course. And you just think that this Tai Chi started when the, the Chinese, they were persecuted and they were preparing for actually fight their enemies. And they had to do it in place. Mm. In place, in And then these movements can be Quick. killers. You can really kill somebody with one of these movements too. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, great. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Mom. I love you. I love you, and thank you for having me. Glad you're on the planet. <laughs> and Mom's very facile. She's on Facebook, and she's on Instagram, so um, you'll see her on social media. So mom, thanks. Thank you, Julie. So we're going to go to Little Pine right now. We're going to go up to Moby's restaurant because mom likes it there. It's been like her third time there, I think. So uh, Moby has an amazing vegan restaurant. It's in Los Feliz and all the proceeds are donated to, um, animal, uh, preservation and uh, like humane, humane society. So it's all taking care of the animals. We love Moby. He was on the ritual podcast last month. And, uh, anyway, maybe we'll see him there tonight. It would be fun. So, anyway, okay, um, until next week, you guys um, be well, and uh, I will see you on down the path. Namaste. If you guys want to find out more about my amazing brother, Stuart Mathis, and listen to more of his music, I highly recommend it. Um, you can find him on iTunes. Uh, that's S T U A R T. M-A-T-H-I-S. Stewart was nominated for Instrumentalist of the Year for the 2015 Americana Awards. He is on tour with Lucinda Williams, currently traveling all over the world. He is also a member of the Wallflowers. So please do check out his music. Um, You will be touched and moved. Uh, He is just an amazing, amazing musician. Namaste. Namaste. You can find this week's guest, my mother, Vilna Mathis, on Instagram. She's Vilna Mathis, V-Y-L-N-A-M-A-T-H-I-S. She is uh, hip and on it and liking photos and posting. Um, She gets this whole social media thing, so you can check her out there. Namaste. I want to just give a shout out to everyone who's been supporting the show. Thank you so much. I so greatly appreciate it. Um, Without your donations, uh, it makes it very difficult to produce the show. So thank you to everybody. Thank you for my Patreon uh, sponsors. Um, I have a few people that have jumped on that platform. If you want to become a monthly sponsor of the podcast at any amount, you can find me at patreon.com. I'm Srimati. And as always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Srimati, S-R-I-M-A-T-I. Please do go to my website and subscribe for my newsletter there. I am in the process of of, of coming up with a weekly blog. I'm going to be offering a free recipe. I'm still getting it kind of set up, so bear with me a, a little bit longer. But um, I'd love to share some amazing food with you guys um, through that medium as well. In addition, you can find all of my courses and products um at my website, srimati.com, S-R-I-M-A-T-I.com. And if you're feeling some healing and you like what you hear, please do donate and support the show. Uh, you can go to my website and uh, click on the podcast page and scroll down. There is a prominent button there that will lead you directly to PayPal so that you can leave a donation. Any amount is greatly appreciated. So thank you so much. Um, and finally, um, I wanted to let you know that I forgot what I was going to let you know. Oh, um, I had this really amazing experience actually uh, yesterday. I shot my first yoga video um, and it was weird because I wanted to do it for many, many, many years, like maybe almost 20 years I've been waiting to shoot a yoga video. And it didn't happen and my life took different turns. And so I sort of just left it and you know, became interested in other things, and I've been baking cupcakes and making food, and now I'm launching Divine line and doing healing, and of course, expressing myself musically. And it sort of just hit me very, very hard in the last you know six months that really the core of all of these practices is my yoga practice, my asana practice, along with meditation and pranayama. So, just even getting back to creating this uh, video. Uh, I was just enlivened and inspired and permeated with this beautiful frequency. And it just reminded me that that's in fact where I originate from. It's not like a side adjunct to the other things that I'm doing. So I'm uh, super excited to share my practice with you to start to open my, um, myself up to sharing the world of yoga with you in a very personal way and a very authentic way. So, anyway, stay tuned for that. It'll probably be you know four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks before I get it um, all produced. But um, it was beautiful, and uh, I can't wait to share these practices with you because they literally transform your life. And they will. I always say that yoga, practicing yoga, is the difference between feeling alive and plugged in, or feeling dead and not not plugged in. So. Anyway, I'm excited to share that with you. If you haven't already, um, check out my relationship course on Mind, Body, Green. I offer an amazing sacred sex um, PDF. Uh, It's actually MP3, sorry. It's an audio that goes along with that course. And Rich and I are sharing our experience on being, like my mom and dad, two very different people, very, very, very different people. And how do we connect? How do we find the bridge? How do we exist when we really are just so uh, authentically we we originate from sort of a different perspective. So um, you may find that supportive to you and once again you don't need to be in a relationship to benefit from that content because really it's an it's really all an inner job um, So anyway check that out if you feel the inclination if you feel inspired um, this week on the healing technique I'm actually going to share. Um, a process, uh, an audio support on how to uh, help somebody transition out of this life. So how do we experience a sacred death? How do we view death as really a birth into another realm? And what are some of the things that we can do that are non-denominational, sort of across all beliefs and all you know, emotions to, uh, to really honor the person who has been in our life. So, um, if you're interested in that, um, check out the other episode and, uh, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share with you over this medium. So please know that I'm reading all of your emails. Um, And thank you for joining me in this exploration of discovering deeper and deeper aspects of our spiritual nature. Once again, we are spiritual beings having a human experience and not the other way around. And so until next week, uh, remember that I'm sending you lots of love and beauty and grace to you and your family. Have a beautiful week. Namaste. Thank you.
0: See you in style some